worship team. Well, it's good to see you on an absolutely beautiful, beautiful Sunday morning. Thank you, guys. Um, we have a, a large group of people in Honduras right now. I've heard from them, and uh, they're doing great. It's, it's an incredible team. They're doing, they're doing all kinds of different projects, including evangelism. Uh, in different places, I saw a, I don't know, some of you might have seen a, a clip that they sent about a teen challenge service. There's a teen challenge in Tegucigalpa, and uh, there was a teen challenge service, and I mean the glory of God came down on that place. Incredible, incredible. Good stuff, good stuff. You know, uh, we're in the middle of a, of a summer series we're just calling viral. Of course, we all know what a virus is. Some of us that are my age feel like a virus is something that makes you sick. Those younger than me feel like a virus is something that has to do with computers. And going viral, going viral to me means keep your mouth closed if you've got the flu. But to others, going viral means somebody picks it up and it's all over everywhere before you can know what's happening. Well, that's what this is about. It's about how Christianity in a few short years changed a whole empire, the Roman Empire. And that's why we talk about things going viral. Last week, Pastor Jay covered chapter 3 of Acts. That was the story of where Peter and John were going to the temple and they healed a man that had been lame all of his life. Now Jay spoke about the lesson that we learned. The main thing that we learned is that when we walk in the Spirit, God opens up doors. God, we try to make things happen, it doesn't work. But they were just on their way to pray, and they met this man, he asked for money, they said, I don't have any money, but I got something to give you, it's Jesus. They gave him Jesus, and he got up and walked. Pretty, pretty good story. <laughs> it was an incredible thing. Uh, we talked about how it's so important for us to follow the leading of the Spirit and do the work of God as God shows us on a daily basis. I overheard so many of our people during the week in different, different uh, connections I had with people tell me how stunned they were when Pastor Jay told the story about he and Stacy being in a hurry to go somewhere. And he went by a gas station. And when he went in, there was a, a woman who was uh, you know, behind the counter there, crying, and uh, she just told him, I, I, just, I just lost a baby, and, and Jay said he was in a hurry, and he got back in the car because he was in a hurry, he was too late, and, and, and he got in the car, and as he drove off, he thought, what in the world am I doing? God opened a door, and I didn't walk through it, and he said he repented, and he thought of that often, and I I, I will tell you when I heard that, it, you could, when he told that story last week, you could hear a pin drop in the place. Except when he finished telling it, everybody was going, I've done that. <laughs> Peggy leans over to me and said, I've done that thing. I said, oh, I've done that too. And, and, and the reality came, how, how are we walking in the Spirit on a daily basis? I'll tell you what, when those kind of things happen, you say, God, I don't want to ever do that again. I don't want that to ever happen to me again. Now, we all sort of connected with Jay's pain of remembrance from many years ago when that happened to him. And, 
And it made sense to us. And we sort of left the place last week going, God, show me some opportunities. Show me some opportunities. I don't know about you, but I had about 10 of them this week. I just was enlightened where I could see things a little bit better. It was so fun. It was awesome. I, 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 I'm going to say this is awesome, and you're going to say, how's that? But I, I did a couple of funerals this week. That's not what was awesome. But uh, uh, one, of the, one of the funerals, we were there and, and, and at the graveside, and, and uh, one of the funeral directors twisted their ankle and couldn't walk. So we just knelt down and prayed over it, and God healed it. <laughs> sort of cool. That's sort of cool. And it was just one of those kind of things to where when God gives you the opportunity, you just go for it. It was incredible. <laughs> now, last week, what Pastor Jay preached in, in chapter 3, actually his assignment was chapter 3 and 4, because 3 and 4 is really one story. But in a, in a small amount of time, you, you can't cover everything. Um, I just want to tell you, because something happened in chapter 4, my assignment is chapter 5. And it's going to be hard to do four and five, too. But I just got to tell you something about four that's so incredible. The rest of the story, so to speak. Peter and John got in big trouble that day for healing the guy on their way to the temple. They got in deep trouble. They were called on the carpet by the religious leaders in the temple who don't believe in miracles and didn't like the preaching of Jesus. And they got in trouble for healing the man that had been lame all of his life. But the religious leaders found themselves in a really tight conundrum. That how could they punish these guys for healing someone that everybody knew had been lame all of his life, and now he's standing there not lame anymore? I mean, how can you punish people for that? And everybody in Jerusalem had heard about it. The Bible even tells us, get this, that the, in chapter 4, the healing of that man that day, that opportunity that opened, resulted in the salvation of 2,000 more Christians. That's, not, that's a big deal. 2,000 more people came into the, to the kingdom. The church ended up with this great reputation out there that there were people coming, even the lost people liked them. You know, they were kind. It was incredible. The authorities were not brave enough to punish them because everybody in the city liked them. Let's just say that early Christian church was getting some incredible PR. <laughs> I mean, incredible PR. According to Acts 4, they got together and prayed for more boldness. They prayed for more signs and wonders. Man, they were on a roll. It was incredible. It was a great time. I was especially blown away when I read Acts 4, 29 through 31. I just want to read this. This is a prayer. And this is what they prayed. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Man, that's, a, that's, that's called a refilling of the Holy Spirit. Talking about motivation. The early church was on a major roll, man. This was powerful stuff. Powerful stuff. <laughs> now, I want you to note, especially in that scripture, uh, did you read, it said, the place where they were meeting was shaken? 
Now, you and I think of this. We thought, you know, they're in there and they're praying. All of a sudden, there was a little earthquake and went, oh, it's the sun. You know, that's, that's how we would see it. But I want to tell you something that I, I noticed in studying this. That word shaken there, the place where they were meeting was shaken, is not the common word that you would use for like earthquake type shakings. It's a word that doesn't necessarily mean physically shaken. It means that everything was in a certain way, and after that prayer, everything changed. <laughs> it was, the word shaken is really a bad translation. It means reordered. It was like, if you got a, a checker, like a, a thing of checkers, you know, and you have them all stacked up like you're supposed to, and then you just sort of go, and all of a sudden the checkers are sort of in different places. That's what happened to them. They were in a different place. That which had been the way you did it wasn't the way you did it anymore. You see, early Christians suddenly realized that everything doesn't have to be a sermon preached in the temple or in the synagogue. The sermon got preached when a guy got healed on the side of the road. That was, they, that was like new to them. God was using things like, like a person's healing, a miraculous healing on a normal street by, in the, by the hands of a couple of common, uneducated Galilean guys, Peter and John, and it ended up getting the attention of the whole city of Jerusalem. Only God could do that. They suddenly realized that God was going to lead them in ways, ways that could get the gospel preached in more powerful ways than public speaking could in a synagogue or the temple. The gospel became street-worthy. The gospel worked for poor as well as rich. It worked for uh, uneducated as well as educated. It, it worked for sick as well as healthy. It worked for uh, outcast as well as people of power. All of a sudden, this, the gospel became something other than an academic exercise. The church saw signs and wonders were not just things that Jesus did when he was here, but it was stuff that he was still doing through the hands of his followers. The, er the early church had an aha moment. Aha. <laughs> Seeing that a new hope for making the gospel of Jesus was going viral. In a short amount of time, got, get this guys, in a short amount of time, I'm talking a short amount of time. We're talking 50 days? The, the amount of followers of Jesus had gone from 120 to over 5,000. That's amazing. It was unstoppable. And it was popular among the people. The PR was good. The message of Jesus was bringing a new hope to everyone that took time to hear it. It's a powerful time, amazing time, supernatural time. But that's not all. Sounds like a commercial, isn't it? That's not all. The Bible says at the end of chapter 4 that Christians were united, they were together, they were powerful, they were committed, they were generous, they were loving, they were unselfish, they were selling stuff that, that they had that was extra and taking the money and helping people that needed it. They were sharing things in common. They were, they were taking care of one another. It was a love fest at church. It was an incredible time, an incredible, strong time powerful time. No, 
No wonder people were coming to Jesus by the thousands. How many in this room at one time are you now are Star Wars fans? Aha! Uh-huh. That's the majority. <laughs> Star Wars! I was in college in the May of 1977 when that very first episode of Star Wars came out. People remember where you were. I remember where I was when that first one came out. It, was, it made it to the movie theater and we all went and it took the nation, the whole world by storm. It changed the way movies were made. It was so different. It was so exciting. That was 41 years ago. <laughs> That's 41 years ago. Since then, there have been so many other episodes and, and spinoffs and different characters introduced. It'll sort of drive you crazy. But I remember those original ones. Oh, yeah. Luke Skywalker. Princess Leia. Darth Vader and Obi-Wan Kenobi. Han Solo, Chewbacca, Jabba the Hutt. R2-D2, C-3PO, Ewoks, and Sand People, Yoda. In fact, when I was at Sanford that year, I, I, I wrote a series of skits that we did in chapel called Car Wars. <laughs> really, it, it starred Luke Skylarker and Dark Vega. Some of you remember Vegas, don't you? Yes. And Princess Honda and Obi-Wan Toyota. <laughs> and then, of course, came Toy Yoda. <laughs> it was crazy. But it went over great. Everybody listened. Every, we had a spiritual meaning behind it. Everybody listened. It was just one of those moments in history. Star Wars started off as this trilogy. There were these three Star Wars movies. The first one was called A New Hope. It was all about this incredible victory over the evil empire's Death Star. It was a feel-good story that showed you that good triumphs over evil. It was really great. It was awesome. Now, you'll have to pardon me, but I can't help but think of how this situation in Star Wars actually mirrors what happened in chapter 3 and 4 and 5 in the book of Acts. I'm sorry. So I'm going to call my first point a new hope that was the first episode that they showed all right so that's my that's my first point a new hope you see they had miraculous victory stories that God had been healed the church was growing Jesus was resurrected the power of the Holy Spirit was doing incredible stuff like the end of that first Star Wars movie everyone was thrilled with what was going on everyone except the evil empire everyone except them when the young church of Acts got in rhythm and started winning people to Christ by the thousands and giving to one another and being united and getting along, making an impact on the community, bringing joy and kindness and healing to everyone around. It was awesome. But guess who got angry? Yeah, the evil empire of Satan. He got angry. The devil was mad. He couldn't handle this incredible impact Christians were making on the world So the devil struck back. So I'm going to call my second point, the empire strikes back. (laughs) Just like the Star Wars trilogy, when the evil empire tried to smash and undo the victory of the good guys, old Darth Vader and company came in in a powerful one-two punch and 
tried to destroy the rebellion once and for all, and they almost did. So what I want to focus on this morning is the evil empire struck back in chapter 5 of Acts. Acts 5 deals with how Satan tried to cripple the new power of the Holy Spirit in the church and hinder the message of the church. Satan wanted to ruin the effectiveness of God's people. And he still does. He tried to move their attention away from the message of the gospel and put attention on their failures that were happening inside the church. He tried to make the early church look bad. He tried to give Christianity a bad name. He tried to stop the viral spread of the gospel. Briefly, let me tell you, I'm I'm not going to read this whole thing. Let me just tell you, there was this guy named Ananias, and his wife's name was Sapphira. They announced that they were going to sell some land and give all the money they made from the land sale to the church to help needy people. Uh, Another guy had done that, a guy named Barnabas had done that, and everybody had patted Barnabas on the back and told him how great he was. So I guess they wanted the church to do the same thing for them. There was their own little agenda there. So what they did was they sold the land and they kept most of it for themselves and brought the other to the church and told them it was all of it. Lied like a dog about it. They gave a portion of the church and kept most of it for themselves. They were probably just wanting to look spiritual, not be spiritual, just look spiritual. They wanted to be noted for their incredible generosity, which was a lie. They had wrong motives, and in dramatic form, they both ended up dead. They died suddenly at church. Well, that's the pits, isn't it? Come to church and don't give enough in the offering and you fall over dead. We don't hold that standard here, by the way. I just want all of you. Peter said, Peter didn't say God killed them. By the way, when you read the scripture, it didn't say God killed them. The Bible said Satan had entered their hearts. Satan destroys people, not God. Their own sin of greed and lying had killed them. Now, the scripture doesn't explain this. This is sort of one of those things where you ask me, why did all this happen? I'm going to go, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I know this. I know that since then there have been lots of people that have given for wrong motives and they don't fall over dead. So I'm wondering, you know, why, why did all this happen? I can't explain it. I can't explain it. I don't understand it to this day. But I do know this, and I want you to look at chapter 5, verse 11. In the midst of all this incredible greatness, this is what chapter 5, verse 11 says. Great fear seized the whole church and everybody who heard about these events. Now, that, that may sound like, oh, well, good, praise God, they're fearing God. No, they weren't. They were shaking in their boots. They were afraid of God. I'll be honest with you guys. That, is, that was the work of the enemy. That wasn't the work of God. God didn't want them to shake in their boots like that. God wanted them to be free and know what God was. But instead, the church had to stop and go, we've got problems. That's how the empire struck back. That's how Satan struck back. Satan is the author of fear. He took the failure of two believers and tried to use it to change the attitude of all the other church members. Make them go from faith to fear, from unities to suspicion, from the favor of the people to confusion in the community. From joy to shame, from generosity to selfishness. You see, the the church has one agenda, 
share Jesus with the world. But when things happen that make our attention look inward, we start looking at ourselves and looking at our little problems. And you know what agenda happens then? The original one goes away because we're looking at ourselves, not at the world that needs Jesus. And that was the plan of Satan. How desperate was Satan to get his message out and get us off message? To turn inward and lick our wounds and be consumed with our own failures and our own shortcomings. Now, this is a real important thing. How many times have you been distracted by your own messes? I, I want to I throw this out. I don't, want anybody, I don't want anybody in the whole place to misunderstand what I'm saying. Sometimes things like financial problems and budget problems and physical illnesses and family issues and people who mess up, they make us back off and go, well, look, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I'm just going to sit back for a while. I'm going to get myself together. I'm going to sort of figure things out and I'm not worried about what God's calling me to do. And Satan goes, I will make sure the rest of your life, you always have all those things happening in your life. Because I can get you off the reason you were born and placed in this world. And all of a sudden distraction, and it's all the old thing, I'm just going to pull things together and get my life together. I had somebody actually tell me one time, that this, there was a family in our church, this was many years ago, there was a family in my church, our church that said, you know what, we've been real involved, and ever since we've been involved, we've just been attacked by the enemy so much, we're just going to back off of our involvement and just not be the target for the enemy anymore. And they backed away, quit going to church, all their family quit going, and just their whole family fell apart because they wanted to back off so they wouldn't get attacked by the enemy. That's how the empire strikes back. <laughs> That's how Satan strikes back. I want you to take a good look at the people sitting around you. Look at the ones in front of you and beside you and around you, okay? Just look around. Chances are those people around you may disappoint you sometime in your life, okay? Those Christians that you pal around with or people we do business with or deacons or life group leaders or pastors are going to disappoint you maybe and let you down and not do everything right. We're all human. We all have weakness, and Satan knows it, and he loves to use our weaknesses to hang up on the, the, the clothesline and let everybody see him so people say, well, if that's a Christian, I don't want anything to do with it. And so they walk off, and they think they're going to stand before God one day and say, well, people offended me, and God's going to say, well, bless your heart. Come on in, darling. <laughs> how many people have gotten offended at God and God's people? That's how that, that usually happens. They gotten offended because of the failures of God's people and just said, well, I've had it with church now. People hop from church to church to church because they're mad, 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 looking for a perfect church. Spurgeon said one time, if you find a perfect church, don't go to it because it won't be perfect anymore. You'll be there. Satan wants us to try to, he wants to destroy the church's witness. So what does he do? He tries to poke, uh, poke fun at the church by pointing at the people who fail. Welcome to, this is a place full of people who fail, right? Anybody in here perfect? Perfect people, come join me up on stage. I better get off. 
That's, look, we all know. We all, I'm not telling everybody, hey, let's just have a sin fest. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, we are, we are made up of people that have had problems. Everybody's got some baggage. Come on, all of us got some baggage. My, one of my favorite aunts, she's an incredible lady, she, she goes to a sort of a high steeple few people church that's really perfect. And uh, she came here to visit church here. She was just moved by how the worship was. And Pastor Ron got up, and he was flailing around up here. And, and, and she was just spellbound. And she said, and, and, and Pastor Ron goes, how many of you know what it was like to be on drugs or alcohol or depressed? And God set you free. And about half the church just raised their hands. And she went, oh. She said, I've never been, I've never gone to church with this many people that had those kind of problems. I said, Charlotte, you have no idea. I guarantee you the people in your church has every one of the same problems. <laughs> they just hadn't been set free from it yet. So what happens when you get hurt by church people and they disappoint you? When the people that you look, look up to disappoint you or they, they say things about you they shouldn't have said or they lie about you and it hurts you when it happens. And it does hurt when it happens. It's happened to me, it's happened to you. We, we expect to be able to trust our brothers and sisters in the Lord and speak the truth in love. And when that breaks down, it hurts. And, and there's, there's problems that occur when that happens. And we ask ourselves, who can we trust anymore? And let me tell you the answer. The answer is the Lord God. That's who you put your trust in. That's always who we put our trust in. Because when you go to God with it and put the Lord God in, you know what he's going to do? He's going to, first of all, tell you to forgive the person that offended you. Not get mad and leave them. Just forgive the person that offended you. He's going to show you how much the blood of Jesus changed you. He's going to remind you what he did in your life. And then he's going to let you give them a new start. Too many people leave churches because they're, one of their leaders sinned. They say, well, if, if that person can't live it, then I guess I can't live it either. I might as well just not try. That's a lie. And, and the empire strikes back with that every time. The empire says, oh, yeah, I can get them on that. I can get them discouraged. When Satan convinces you that you have a right to be offended and get mad and back away from God, he has won. And then it's an excuse that you use. Satan wants you to feel like you need to put glass and crystal shoes on everybody when really we all are made, have feet made of clay. Every one of us. Every one of us. He tries to hang heavy chains across the shoulders of believers in the church with three things. Fear, disappointment, and shame. Those three. Fear, disappointment and shame that's the evil empire's idea of how to discourage the church and that's what happened with the ananias and sapphira thing they tried to strike the church and make people not trust leadership and they thought what's going to happen and they were they they couldn't believe it we, things were going so well and then all of a sudden the the enemy came and look what happened and if it's going to happen to ananias and sapphira it may happen to me i'm getting out of here i'm just out i'm out i don't want anything to do with these people i'm backing out of here that's what our world does. That's what's happening in our day right now. Somebody, somebody finds some stupid tweet or some email that somebody wrote 10 years ago, and they're going, oh, these people are awful. 
These people are terrible. can't have anything to do with them. They lose their jobs. Am I telling the truth? That's what's going on in this world right now. I'm, and, and everybody here is going, what if they look at my Facebook account from eight years ago? We all have baggage we're not proud of. So how do we do that? Well, I'll tell you what we do. We live like Christians. We go to God with those things, and we forgive. And we give other people another chance, and we give ourselves another chance. Do we blame God for everyone's failure and then lose our relationship with God? Because of fear, disappointment, and shame? I want to tell you a story that happened. This sort of blends what's going on here together. Uh, several years ago, I was in a Christian bookstore, a local Christian bookstore that I would always go out and hang out and talk to Daryl for a while. <laughs> and uh, I was in his store, it was when he had the real small store in Pelham. And I was in the store and, and I noticed that some Mormon missionaries had come in and were looking at, at the books there. And you know there were Mormon missionaries because they had elder so-and-so written there. And uh, really super nice people. And so I, they were walking around, and, and they always walk to the area where we have the books about what Mormons believe, and they read about what we say about them in Christian bookstores. So, so uh, I just sort of found my way walking around there because <laughs> I'm nosy. And I uh, walked around there, and, and they, they're in twos, and they, want, they were split up looking in different places, and and I met one of them that was obviously the younger of the two. And I said, hey there. I said, uh, you're, a, you're a Mormon. And he said, yeah. And I said, well, hey, I'm glad to meet you. I was, I was real nice to him. Real super nice guy. And um, he said, uh, hey, have, have you ever read the Book of Mormon? And I said, yeah, I really have. And he goes, what did you think about it? And I said, man, it's, it just doesn't fit with the Bible. And uh, he said, oh, well, you, you need, and he started talking to him a little bit and it was like I had a, it was like a bolt of lightning hit my brain at that moment, and God gave me a word of knowledge about this guy. And it wasn't a word of condemnation, it was a word of knowledge from God. And I, honestly, it was, it was really weird. While he was talking, I just said, you haven't been a Mormon all your life, have you? And he said, no. And I said, you were, you were a Church of God preacher's kid, weren't you? And he stopped, and his eyes got big, and his mouth dropped open. And I said, what happened? And he said, big old tears welled up in his eyes, and he said, my dad ran off with the church secretary. And I said, well, you didn't have to throw away Jesus because of that. The things you learned as a child were true. Even if your dad failed, we've all failed in many ways. The things you learned from, about the Bible were true. And about then, the other guy swooped in and rescued him from me. And I just remember walking out as they went on, and they, they had bicycles, and they went on and got on their bikes. And I just remember, I said to him, remember the things that you learned as a child. They're true. They're true. And, and they rode off. And I left him into the hands of the Lord. I know that I was just one step, and the next step God was going to use to try to bring him back. But I started thinking about what happened. This was very much how the empire struck back in his family. His family was doing the work of God and his father failed. Yes, his father failed. His father messed up. 
But it didn't change the truth of God. And it didn't change God's destiny for this young man. And God was using me at that moment to help him get right back where God wanted him to be. And I don't know what happened. I never heard from him again. I just have to believe and know in my heart of hearts that God was running that situation. That God had someone else that could speak with him. So what do we do? What do we do when people disappoint us? What do we do when church folks mess up? What do we do when church isn't perfect? Do we, do we get mad and angry and give up on God? Or do we forgive and move on and keep our eyes on the prize? That's what we do. All right, so the empire struck back at the church. But then I'm going to read you some scripture and tell you, uh, uh, this is the scripture right after that verse I read you about great fear seized the church and the community. This is the next passage. You ready? The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all of the believers would meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets, laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds also gathered from towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. Ha ha! Satan's attack didn't work. It didn't work. They had a bad Sunday. <laughs> they had a bad church day. The Ananias and Sapphira thing was a black eye, but it did not stop them from doing what God wanted them to do. In this day and time, people would scatter sometimes like, like frightened chickens, just scatter everywhere. But that's not what happened with the spirit-filled people in the church. They just kept moving. It didn't work. Satan's empire struck back, but it didn't hinder them. It didn't stop them. It didn't cause the church to retreat or turn back or lick their wounds. They just kept being faithful to God and his call. So it's only fitting that I should name my third point, the return of the Jedi. In the Star Wars trilogy, the Jedi were knights that were specially trained people who could face evil guys and win. They were brave and honest and powerful, and they were the good guys. In the real world of spiritual truth, the good guys are those who equip themselves with the power of the Holy Spirit and are not distracted or hindered when the evil empire strikes back. Did you hear what that passage of Scripture I read? That was amazing. The gospel kept going viral, and the empire couldn't stop it. Even the failures of imperfect Christians can't stop what God is doing. Did you hear me? Can't stop it. So why should it stop you? We don't have to understand why everything happens. Listen to me. We don't have to understand why everything happens. Sometimes I have students who come in master's commission and they they don't understand why they went through what they went through as a child. Some things that were not good. I just don't understand why this happened. And sometimes I go, I can't explain to you why those things happened. No one can. You want, if you spend your life trying to figure out why it happened, it's not going to solve the problem. You've got to move on. You've got to move on to where God is. 
We don't have to point fingers at things or people that offend us that don't make sense. God doesn't owe us an explanation for everything that happens. Did you hear that? God doesn't owe us an explanation to everything that happens. And we don't have to be hindered by what we don't understand. Let's just act on what we do know, what we do understand. If we do that, we won't miss what God has for us. Our purpose, our destiny, opportunities, divine appointments. If you get so settled in your mind, I've got to figure this out. I've got to find out why this happened to me. You're going to miss the thousands of people who need you today. Because you're never going to get there. By the way, I want to tell you what happened in the rest of chapter 5. This is my assignment, so I just want to tell you. You'll see the best was yet to come in chapter 5. The apostles, the leaders of the young church, there were at least 12 of them. The apostles were arrested and thrown in jail for talking about Jesus on the street. For healing people. (laughs) Then an angel came and led them out of jail. (laughs) And they went right back to the same place and kept talking about Jesus on the street. And the people said, oh, they're in jail. They said, no, they're not. They're standing right over there. What happened? Well, an angel came and let us out. And that sounds crazy, but that's what happens when you don't get messed up by what has happened, when you don't get hindered by the bad stuff that you don't understand. But when you move forward, angels come and help you, man. Miracles happen. They went back to preaching, and the leaders couldn't stop them. They were unstoppable. And then this really educated dude named Gamaliel, he was in the the court where they were saying, what are we going to do? What are we going to do with these people? They're still talking about Jesus. We need to kill them. And Gamaliel says, shut up, guys. Look, if these guys are evil, God will take care of them. If they're from God, we don't want to fight against God, do we? And they left them alone. And the gospel spread viral, unstoppable. And it still is. I guess today the the big message that I have for, for all of you today is this. I feel like some of you have been hindered. I feel like the, the empire has struck back at some of you and you're hindered. And he struck back at some of you through physical illness. God's done great things in you, but he struck back at you through physical illness. He struck back at you from fa- for family issues, for things that you're not in charge of and you can't control and you didn't ask for. The empire striking back at some of you and making you sort of tentative about this thing about God. And God says, you have one agenda. To follow the leading of my spirit and to do what I called you to do all the days of your life, however many days those are. And if you will focus on that, I'll take care of the rest of it. And if I have to, I'll dispatch angels to let you out of that prison. I want you to know that's the word of the Lord to you today. That's the word of the Lord to Kingwood today. Our world's in a mess. (laughs) And I am not going to be hindered by the world's mess. This is our finest hour if we use it. Did you hear me? This can be our finest hour. Doors are beginning to open. Let's walk through them. Let's walk through them. Would you stand with me today?
the worship team's going to come out and I, let me tell you what I want to do today. I, I'm, actually, I'm actually not going to call the prayer team to come to the front today. And it's not because I don't trust them or need them. It's because I'm, I don't want the prayer team to come to the front because I, I thought what Justin said earlier was really maybe a word from God. When Justin said, how many of you know what it's like just to come stand in God's presence? And his presence is here and he becomes your counselor at the front. There are times when that's a good thing. So here's what I want to do. I want to say, if you are experiencing hindrances right now, and maybe your hindrances look very secular, I need a job, I need income, I need money, I need, I need favor, I want you to know, if it's important to you, it's important to God. And I want you to know, you can bring anything that you feel like is a hindrance in your life to this altar, and you can talk to God about it. Because if you're hindered, you're hindered from doing God's will. And if God, God wants you, God wants you to be everything you can be for Him. Some of you are hindered because you're mad, you're upset, you might be, um, you might be hurt. Maybe you're hurt, you're, you're saying, God, I don't know if you care. Maybe you're mad at God. I want to ask you today, I want to ask you, in, in the, based on what I've shared with you today, I'm going to ask you to come and let go of your hindrances. I'm going to ask you to come and say, God, I surrender all of this mess that I'm dealing with my confusion, my reason for trying to know everything, to try to figure it out. I give it all to you. I'm going to go to you with it, and I'm going to ask you to let my agenda be one. I will obey you, and I will do what you say. And you watch and see if God doesn't straighten your path. I assure you of it. So the altar is open for you just to come. And I'm going to ask you, if you feel like you need to, step out right now. I believe God is calling you. That's right. Just come and stand before God for a moment. He's going to counsel. The Holy Spirit of God is going to counsel you. God's Spirit is going to counsel you. trying to understand everything and control everything and figure everything out. I let go of that. I let go of it, God. I let go of it. I surrender it to you now. I let go of offenses that I have against your people or against anybody. I let go of it. I let go of offenses that happened to me decades ago. I let go of it. enemy has struck me and I am not going to move. I'm not going to be moved. I'm going to trust you, O oh Lord. I'm going to trust you, O oh Lord. Lord, I, I trust you. I let go. I let go. Just let go right now. Just say, God, I let go. I don't have to understand it all. I let go. I let it go. I let it go. I let it go, Jesus. I let it go. I let it go. I let it go, Jesus. I let it go, Jesus. Jesus, I let it go. Let it go. Let it go. 
Father, in the name of Jesus, I call out fear. In Jesus' name, I bind fear in this place. And I ask you to replace it with the love of the Father right now. Lord, we bind up people that are in fear right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we bind disappointment. We bind disappointment, Lord, that has been decades old in people. Lord, we, right now, we bind that evil thing called disappointment. And we release them from it in the name of Jesus. Father, in Jesus' name, we call out shame. We bind shame. Let them have freedom where there was shame. God, do your incredible stuff for these people. These are your servants, Lord. Release them now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Do you agree with me? In Jesus' name. Do you agree? Yes, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you.